Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, what an awesome, awesome day we have. And man, this, this has already been awesome. I just love it. It's just amazing. God is here as well as over there. As well as over there. Amen. He's just not bound by buildings or churches or what we put our labels up as. Amen? So good. Well, I am truly honored to be here, and Sean and Heidi, it is an honor to be here. I, I mean that, and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit unprecedented what, we, what we're doing here with preaching at each other's churches. You know, this is not allowed in... <laughs> In certain circles, you know, I mean, I'm not from another town, right? I'm just right down the street. <laughs> but here's the reality is that the, the body of Christ is, is so much bigger than my church, your church, that church. Man, the body of Christ is the kingdom of God, the family of God. And it's amazing to be a part of. So I feel very, very welcome and at home here this morning. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I just, I just, might, I just might come here next week. And I, <laughs> Just kidding. <clears throat> yeah, but man, this is awesome. It's just awesome. Um, <clears throat> as we were worshiping, there's one thing that came to my mind, and I feel like it's for this house. Jesus said, <clears throat> so Jesus went to his own, own hometown, and they wouldn't, he couldn't heal many people there. Um, they said, oh, you're, you're Joseph's son, you know, and they miscategorized, well, they, they, de- they devalued who he was. And it said they, they were offended at Jesus, but Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And it says that he couldn't do, any, he couldn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. <clears throat> in other words, and what I felt like when I really came in here and the word that I just, I just hear over this body is honor. There's just such, there's such beautiful honor, and because you honor the Lord and you honor each other and you honor his presence, he's going to do many mighty works here, many mighty works here because of the honor and the, the, the I mean, you don't, just don't, you don't just treat him and his presence as common. He, you honor that, and you, you, you just, I don't know, I just feel like he's going to honor you, and he's going to, man, he's going to be one that. I can do many, many, many mighty works in Faith Family Church because they honor my word and they honor me. So receive that this morning. Um, I'm going to read a text and uh, then hopefully get somewhere and share a few thoughts on my heart that what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart for you guys. I really have been praying, and I know when Sean came, uh, I just, man, I received him as a, a prophet of God to, to speak to our body, and I, I know when I have a guest speaker in, I, I want to be open. I want to be open to that new word, that new perspective, that fresh blood. Man, inbreeding is a bad thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got to have fresh blood sometimes, amen? <laughs> so I may say some things that are a little bit different uh, uh, than normal, but that's okay. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for a different perspective maybe. But Hebrews chapter 10 is is where I want just to read and launch from. And um, I'm going to read this and you'll see this, this text preaches for itself. But we'll start here. It says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. In other words, 
those offerings of blood and bulls and goats and all that stuff, that wasn't the, the capital T-H-E, the will of God. There was a better will of God. I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, talking about that first covenant, that old covenant, that he may establish the second. Verse 10, by that will, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Everybody say once for all. Man. And every high priest stands. Everybody say stands. Stands. There's a difference between standing and sitting. Okay. Every high priest in that old system stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, everybody say this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these things, there is no longer an offering for sin. (laughs) that awesome? Here's the therefore. Therefore, because of all this, brethren and sistren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Ah, isn't that amazing? I guess I've done that just preach for itself. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll tell you, um, I'm going to get to some of this. I was praying about what to share with you guys, and uh, the Lord gave me a couple different things. He said, I want you, Abe, I want you to build up your brother's house. I want you to strengthen. I want you to build up. I want you to edify. I want you to build up. And he was talking to me about you. He said, build up your brother's house. Invest into them. Edify. Strengthen them and who they are. And, 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 and so I want to do that today. If I, that's my goal. My goal is to build you up. My, my goal is not to preach to who you used to be in Adam and say you need to change who Adam used to be. I want to build up and mature Christ inside of you. Okay. We can, we can get all kinds of busy with sin management programs and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what God's interested in. He killed that man. He, went away, he did away with your first husband so that you could be married to another, even him who was raised from the dead, and now he lives inside of you. And so instead of telling you who you're not, how about I tell you who you are, and we build up who you are in him. Amen? So, and like, and like Pastor Sean said this morning, man... The train of his robe fills the temple, and you are, what, know you not? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Man, he's not living in, like, this house would not have his presence in here if you weren't here. You're the church. We're the church, and we brought him with us. And everywhere we go, we bring him with us. Amen? So I'm going to help hopefully build you up this morning. And I want to also, felt like the Lord said, remind them because this is not new, but remind them how the work got finished. Remind them how the work got finished. Now, here's what I mean with with that. Um, If your house is like my house, and I have five in my family, and and Rosebud sends her greetings, my my beautiful, awesome wife and and life partner and amazing, beautiful, everything, amazing, good woman. Um, (laughs) uh, She's at church. She's at Life Source right now. 
Um, and and uh, anyway, she just sends her love and greetings. But uh, we have a busy household. We have five of our own, and we've, we've also, I'm mean, not five of our own, we have five in our household, three of our own kids. But over the years, we've raised my niece, my nephew, uh, another niece, another niece. Um, we actually had a, a lady with five kids in our house at one time. We, we've, had, we, we, we've had people in our lives. And in, when you have all that going on, if you just stick with our five kids, we have laundry to the ceiling sometimes. And we got two dogs, and then my sister-in-law pawned her cats off on us. And I don't like, I'm not like, I mean, cats are okay, whatever. But um, one day, right one day before church, one of her lovely cats came into our room and must have ate too much cat food that morning and just vomited a waterfall of puke down on my shirts that I was going to wear for church. I'm like, what in the world is that? So anyway, we are blessed with some lovely cats that um, have just, man, I don't know if they have a full brain, you know. But um, anyway, I say all that to say there's a lot of work. Everybody say work. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in my house a lot of times. I mean, we got dishes. Anybody else got dishes and laundry? And, you know, you got dogs and your dog sheds like another dog every day, you know, because it's like that much hair. It's just I mean, that's, that's life, and, you know, and the kids, what are we going to do? What are we going to I mean, there's just always something to do. Um, what if I, and I've got projects. You know, I've also got some, I mean, how many of you have projects at home that you're working on, right? I mean, you moved into that house, and you said you were going to finish it, and it's still not done. It's been 27 years, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, <clears throat> there's projects. But what if I were to tell you all the laundry's done, all the dishes are done, all the projects are done, everybody's fed, everyone's happy, everything's good. That, that nagging thing that you wanted to get done in the garage, it's done. Um, all the, the list is done. What if I were to tell you that it's done? See, God wants me to remind you that it's all done. When it comes to what he's accomplished, he finished it all. But here's the issue. Here's the issue is that it can be done and and. What God has finished, what Jesus finished on the cross, it is finished. It is a done deal. But if you don't reckon in your own heart and spirit that it is done, and in essence, if you don't believe the evidence and you're not convinced in your own mind that it's done, it could be spiritually done. It's done. Let me tell you, the Word of God says the finished work of Christ is done. But if you don't believe it's done, you will still... Stress about those things? What if I told you everything's done at your house? You'd be like, yeah, right, it's done. I left this morning. I know it's not done. <clears throat> what if I, see, what I'd have to do is I would have to convince you that it's done. I'd have to show you evidence that it's done. i show you a picture. And you say, well, that looks like my kitchen, except everything's put away. Hmm. That looks like my laundry. You know, maybe... Like, it's, all, it's not only done laundry, it's folded and put away in its drawer. I'd have to show you a picture of all that, right? The point is, is that the work can be done, but if you don't believe that it's done, it's as, it's as though it's not even done. Because you're still living with a mindset like, I got to go work. I got to go do, do this. So I want to edify and build you up this morning, and I want to help you to remember that the work is done. You see, in the old covenant, in that old system of relating to God with animal sacrifices and a works-based performance way of relating to God, the priests stood daily offering continually the same sacrifices which could never take away sins. So there was always work to do. If you go back and read about the old covenant tabernacle of Moses, there was not a chair there in the furniture, not a couch. Why? Because you're always standing, always doing always busy about something. But Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for all time, sat down, waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. And guess what? When we got born again, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't bring you into a kingdom where you're standing all the time. He actually says, I, you are seated with me in heavenly places. And the position of the believer is not a standing position. That doesn't mean you don't do things, but that means you launch from a place of rest. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from it. Amen? It's totally different. 
It's a difference in being a champion versus, versus someone who's a contender. When you know you've already won, when you know the battle is already sealed, it's a rigged fight, you, like, it's, it's done. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have to go win the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now, I'm going to effortlessly, from a place of relationship, be a light in the world. You know, these lights are not trying to expel darkness. They're just not trying that hard. Darkness has no power over light. You don't say, man, it's so, it's so dark in here. Someone turned down the darkness. That doesn't make sense, you know. You don't come against the darkness and say, oh, darkness, I rebuke you, darkness. No, you just bring light. Effortlessly, easily. Man, you can have AAA battery-powered LED light. It can expel the darkest darkness you got, you know. I'm just, I want to I I share with you this morning, I, I feel like, I feel like things are, things can be a whole lot easier, the yoke can be a whole lot lighter, and the effect in this world can be a whole lot more transformative when we operate from a place of victory. Amen? So, years ago, the Lord, I, I was asking the Lord, I'm just going to share a couple of things of my, you know, this is just things in my heart and my life, but I asked him one day, I, you know, I said, Lord, what's the purpose of preaching? You know, I mean, what's the purpose of this? Am I just to encourage, I mean, am I just to give a motivational speech or what, you know? I was just being honest with the Lord. Sometimes you're like, what's the point of all this? Come every week, you know? And he shared with me this verse. This is John 20, 31. It says, but these things are written. He actually says, if all the things that could be written were written, I suppose not even all the books in all the world could contain those things, but these things are written, John says, that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. So he wrote these things so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And then he goes on to say, and that in believing, you may have life in his name. So you don't get life by working, you get life by believing. And as you have life inside of you, guess what? That life works in you. And it produces a whole lot of stuff. But, man, you've got to believe first. And believers got to believe. How many of you know that? We've got some unbelieving believers sometimes. You know, like, I believe, but I'm still, you know, and you can have belief, faith, and unbelief at the same time. You can. You can have both those things going on. So I want to help you believe more this morning. Is that all right? I just want to help you. And I want you to have life in his name. You know, I'm, I'm excited that, you know, I just, we just did a funeral for my father-in-law, and he's in, he's in the heaven, and he's with the Lord, and he's rejoicing. And, man, um, you know, believers never die. I mean, you, you, you might put off your tent, but you don't ever die. You know, he who lives and believes in me shall never die, Jesus said to that uh, Mary and Lazarus and all those guys, you know. So we never die. Um, and, but when my physical body dies, I will go to heaven, and I'm excited about that. But you know what? I, I'm going to make that the last thing that I do, okay? That's going to be the last thing I do. And, and what I want is I want to experience life in his name. And, and Jesus, if he, was so, if he was so interested and so, like, if his, if his main purpose, if his main purpose was to get you to heaven when you died, why didn't you die when you made Jesus Lord of your life? He doesn't want just to take you there. He wants to bring what's happening there and make it happen here in your life. So the eternal life is not one day when you die. It was the day that you got born again, translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, and you have been made a partaker of eternal life. Eternal life doesn't begin. Death, death does not usher in eternal life. Jesus did when he came into your life and heart. And so he is in the business of not like eternal life includes, everybody say includes, includes going to heaven when you die. Absolutely. It's the cherry on the top of an amazing, abundant life that he gives you as you walk in fellowship with him. Check out this scripture. This is so cool. I love this one. 1 John 5.11, it says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Wow. So you're not just getting a ticket into heaven. You're becoming a landing strip for heaven. 
That's what you are. Man, in fact, he puts heaven inside of you, and now everywhere you go, you're a dispenser of the kingdom of heaven. So, I want to help you believe this morning. Believe influences your behavior. If you've got a behavior problem in here, don't go after your behavior problem. And don't get me wrong. Behavior is important. Behavior is, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people behaving badly. <laughs> you know, it's not doing good. Um, but behavior is a byproduct of belief system. So if you have a problem, if you have a habit, a hurt, sin going on in your life, a hang-up, whatever it might be, maybe issues in your marriage, issues at business, whatever it might be. I mean, friendship issues, kids, you know, you might have all kinds of stuff going on. I would encourage you, go back to the root of it and see, ask the Lord, what am I believing that is causing me to behave this way? Because Jesus, when he came on the scene 2,000 years ago, he said, the word repent, it doesn't mean, it doesn't just mean to change the way you are acting. It means change the way you're thinking, which produces a change in action. So he said, repent, change the way you're thinking, and believe. And, and, and uh, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so... <clears throat> If we have a behavior problem, ask the Lord, what am I believing that's wrong? Where am I off in my belief system? Um, I'm going to just stick on that one more. I just feel like this will help somebody in here today because you've been struggling. You've been caught in something. You've been, and here, here's a reality. <clears throat> if you think if you think you're garbage, okay, if you have bad thoughts about who you think you are, you will treat yourself like garbage, okay? If you don't know who you are, if you're misguided about your identity, no wonder if you think you're a sinner, you'll sin. Don't get me wrong. People sin. But just because I fall out on the ground does not make me a worm, Okay? And just because toddlers crash when they're trying to walk doesn't mean they're not human beings. Okay? Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he raises back up. Doesn't mean that he changes his nature from not being righteous anymore. It means you are a righteous person who happened to sin, but your sin does not define you. Your habit, your hurt, your hang-up, your issue does not define you. But if you thought yourself, if you think of yourself as, man, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm a king, I'm bought by the blood of Jesus, he has purpose and destiny for me, and I wake up every, per every day with the reality that he breathed his life into my lungs for a purpose today, and that purpose is greater than myself. I'm not Lord of my life. He is, and he brought his life into me, and he must think I'm valuable. If you think that way, wake up that way, go to bed that way, go and play that way, do whatever you do, man, you're not going to mistreat the purpose that God put on your life, okay? If I use my life for something that I wasn't created for, that's my, great, my favorite definition of sin that I feel like the Lord gave me. He said, sin is missing the mark, and it could be missing the mark of why you were created, but listen, when you know exactly who you are and why you were created, you won't miss the mark. So what are your behaviors a byproduct of? You knowing who you are in him. So if you're struggling with sin in this place, you know, there's a place for feeling sorry about that. But you know what? What God wants you to do is start thinking of yourself based on his word. Who are you in accordance with who he is in you? He's not embarrassed of your sin. Sin will destroy our lives. Don't get me wrong. Sin will kill, steal, and destroy, and it will destroy our lives. But God is not running from you. He's saying, come to me. Let, me. let me get your ear, and let me teach you who you really are. Once I get my truth inside of you, it will transform who you are from the inside, and then all those sins will effortlessly fall off. It will be good. 
well, I want to, uh, I want to do all those things. I want to build you guys up. And I'm hoping, I'm, I'm just following the flow of the Holy Spirit this morning. Is that all right? I think, I think I'm in the right house. I think I'm in the right house. I love it. And I think you guys li- like the Bible too, right? I mean, you guys like the Word of God. Amen. My disciples will continue in my word. They will know the truth, and it will make them free. I love it, man. That's good. So I want to I I share a couple things with you. I, I want to, you know, this is my title halfway through the message, The Gospel of Peace. The Gospel of Peace. And I want to just share a little story with you that I believe will minister to you, but it ministered to me years ago. And um, it's about a guy who was um, uh, a lieutenant in, in the Imperial Japanese Army in World War II, and he was a holdout. I don't, does anybody know what a holdout is? Like, the war's done, and he's still fighting. <laughs> okay, like, the war's done, but in his mind, man, we're still at war. We're still battling. This guy's name is uh, Second Lieutenant Hiro Onada of the Imperial Japanese Army. He continued fighting a war that had ended 29 years ago. Eventually, he surrendered and gave up his weapons and everything like that in 1974. Okay, there was only one more guy that surrendered after him, but uh, Lieutenant Onada is one that's pretty well known. So I'll read this. This is out of Wikipedia. It says, Onada, and maybe you can throw that picture of of him as we, uh, just that first picture up there as I read this. Onada continued his campaign as a Japanese holdout, initially living in the mountains of Lubang Island in the Philippines with three other soldiers, Private Yuchi Akatsu, Corporal Shoshi Shimada, and Private First Class Kinshi Kuzuka. During his stay, Onada and his companions carried out guerrilla activities and engaged in several shootouts with local police. The first time they saw a leaflet announcing that Japan had surrendered was in October 1945. Another cell had killed a cow and found a leaflet behind, uh, behind by islanders which read, The war ended on August 15th. Come down from the mountain. However, they distrusted, they didn't believe the leaflet. They concluded that it was allied propaganda and also believed that they would not have been fired upon if the war had indeed been over. Toward the end of 1945, leaflets were dropped by air with a surrender order printed on them from General Tamayuki Yamashita of the 14th Area Army. To the men who had been hiding for over six months, this leaflet was the only evidence they had that the war was over. Onada's group studied the leaflet closely to determine whether it was genuine. They decided it was not. One of the four soldiers, Yuichi Akatsu, walked away from the others in September 1949 and surrendered to the Philippine forces in March 1950 after six months on his own. This seemed like a security problem to the others, and they became even more cautious. In 1952, letters and family pictures were dropped from an aircraft urging them to surrender, but the three soldiers concluded that this was a trick. Shimada was shot in the leg during a shootout with local fishermen in June 1953, after which Onada nursed him back to health. On the 7th of May 1954, Shimada was killed by a shot fired by a search party looking for the men. Kazuka was killed by two shots fired by local police on the 19th of October 1972 while he and Onada, as part of their guerrilla activities, were burning rice that had been collected by farmers. Onada was now alone. On, the 20th, on, on February 20th, 1974, Onada met a Japanese man, uh, Norio Suzuki, who was traveling around the world looking for, quote, Lieutenant Onada, a panda, and the abominable snowman in that order. <laughs> Suzuki found Onada after four days of searching. Onada described his moment in a 2010 interview. This hippie boy named Suzuki came to find the island, came to, came to the island to listen to the feelings of a Japanese soldier. Suzuki asked me why I would not come out, end quote. Onada and Suzuki became friends, but Onada still refused to surrender, saying that he was waiting for orders from a superior officer. Suzuki returned to Japan with with photographs of himself and Onada as proof of their encounter, and the Japanese government located Onada's commanding officer, Major Yoshimi 
Tanaguchi, who had long surrendered and become a bookseller. Tanaguchi went to Lubang Island on the 9th of March, 1974. He finally met with Onada and fulfilled the promise he had made back in 1944. Quote, whatever happens, we will come back for you. End quote. Tanaguchi then issued Onada to cease military activities and operations immediately and place themselves under the command of the nearest superior officer. When no officer can be found, they were to communicate with the American or Philippine forces and follow their directives. Onada was thus properly relieved of duty, and he surrendered. He turned over his sword, a functioning Arasaka-type 99 rifle, 500 rounds of ammunition, and several hand grenades, as well as a dagger his mother had given him in 1944 to kill himself if he was captured. So show that next picture. This is him after being at war in his mind for 29 years after the war had ended. And he relieves, he, he receives a decommissioning to cease all military activities by his commanding officer, and he finally surrenders. How many of you understand? The war was over a long time ago. Yet we can still be fighting a war in our minds that was done a long time ago. And you can still function under the stress, the performance, even, even the sometimes peril and danger of your own life if you are still at war in your mind. Is this making sense to you? There's a lot of Christians these days that, man, they've heard the gospel, or maybe the, the, the go part of gospel, but they haven't heard the spell. <laughs> I don't know. They've heard part of it. They've had, man, and, and here's, here's the root word, of the, you know, gospel means good News, right? You go buy a newspaper today. What is everything in the newspaper? <laughs> that was a, I guess that could be a, there could be a lot of different answers there. <laughs> I heard, bad, but I heard past. I think I heard in there. I heard bad. <laughs> yeah, news inherently is something that already happened, right? Gospel. It's, it's actually uh, Elan Julian. It's where we get the word evangelism from. But it's actually, if you go back and, and study that, that Greek word, it was actually the, the message. There was an Anjulian um, messenger that when a battle would take place and the victory had been won, um, the, the, the messenger who would bring back the message back home that say, hey, we won the victory. We're victorious. They have been defeated. We are the, that was the gospel message that the whole gospel was all about. The victory had been won, and now let's rejoice. And that was this guy's job, Elan Julian. He was to do that. And so the gospel message inherently is a, this work is done. What Christ has done has, has accomplished. We have won the victory. Rejoice. And whoever believes the gospel, puts faith in the gospel, will be saved. Not, and once again, this doesn't mean you go to heaven when you die one day, even though that's part of it. But now heaven invades your earth and now you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he lives in you and through you. And you are a dispenser of that good news and gospel and kingdom. It's an awesome thing. But if you don't believe it. And you could be a believing believer. You could be an unbelieving believer where you're believing that it, it's, it's good for you the day you die. But I'm telling you, man, uh, the, the battle's won whether you believe it or not. But you need to believe it because it's going to influence your life. And the more of the gospel you believe, remember, remember John said, I have written these things that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. And in believing, you would have life in his name. That's not like... That's not like breathing air. You will have the life of God, the zoe life of God, the power of God, the, 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 the unction of God. You will have super on your natural. Okay? You don't just have to live a normal life. You're not just a mere man, Corinthians. Paul said to his Corinthians church. Man, you can be... God became... A man, so that we, God, God became a son of man, so that sons of man could be children of God. Amen? He came to reunite us back with our Father. 
And so we have got to lay to rest the war that's in our minds and believe that God is preaching a gospel of peace. The white flag on the enemy's side, they have surrendered. Okay? You're not going to lose. Believer, you can't lose. The only way you can lose is if you don't believe. It's the only way you can lose because it's rigged. Any fight that you have is just for you to exercise your victory. Okay? Like, you, you, if you could believe this, that sickness that comes on you, it can't win. It just can't. Like, you can, it's not going to. And I'm here today to give you an extra shot in the shoulder to say, it's not going to win. That, that breakup, that, that issue in your family, that finance, whatever it might be, that issue, man, it can't win because God has put his life inside of you and you've got a purpose bigger than the enemy's purpose for your life. God's got a purpose to, to prosper you and he's got a purpose to bring life through you. There are people that will not get touched unless you touch them. And God is not, he's not just telling you to do stuff without empowering you. God is not like that. He empowers you. He gives you a commission. He says, guess what? I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll be with you. The moment you lay hands on people, I'm laying hands on them. I, I'm wearing you like a suit. God says, do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, man, this guy's life was, was not the way God intended it for about 29 years, even though his kingdom, in this case... His kingdom had surrendered and was no longer at war. You know, when people say, well, the devil this, the devil that, the devil this. I got news for you. The devil's been defeated. Defeated. Keep him under your feet. Amen? The handwriting of ordinances that was against us was nailed to his cross. And he disarmed principalities and powers, making, a, making an open show and a spectacle of them. So that's a party that God had when he defeated the devil and drug him through the spiritual corridors of eternity and just everybody looked at this man who did weaken the nations. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, like, don't tell me about the devil, okay? The devil is not an issue. He's just not, unless he is to you. Unless you think so. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, you know how you get thoughts to drop down into your heart? Because he thoughts, you know, I mean, there's about 18 inches between your heart and, you know, I don't know, and I know heart is not talking about your blood pumping muscle. It's talking about your innermost, the center of who you are. But man, you dwell on things enough and gravity works and well, there it is. <laughs> you know, you want something in your heart, put it between your your eye gates and your ear gates long enough, it'll drop into your heart. And then all of a sudden, you don't even have to think about it. It's in you. So I'm not too worried about the devil. I don't talk about him much. You know, he's a defeated foe. Christ has brought immortality and, and light through the gospel. He's defeated him who had the power of, the de of death that is the devil. I mean, like, he defeated him. And my job as the body of Christ, and our job as the body of Christ, and somebody in here is the foot of the body, let's keep him under there. That means the lowest person in the body of Christ, you're still above the devil. <laughs> right? Far, far above. So, in that old system of relating to God based on performance-based religion and sacrificial systems and using the blood of bulls and goats, in that system you had to work. Man, you had to work. And you had to go through a priest. You had to go through Pastor Sean in order to get to God. Now, God bypassed bypassed priests, he says, I'm going to commune with everybody. I'll be inside of all of them. And all of them who believe, man, I'll have a relationship with them. But in that old covenant system, you had to work, you had to strive. It was, man, I'm going to, we're going to do everything we can to stay today to maintain the victory. Today, we're going to work, work, work. And it's a, and, it, and, and, and you know what? You had a lot to do. For those priests stood daily offering continually those same sacrifices which could never take away sin. But this man, 
offered one sacrifice. And he sat down. And now, man, if you hear the gospel, if you hear, I honestly believe when people hear the genuine gospel, you can't help but believe it. It's almost effortless. There is a part on your side to believe. The objective side is that God did everything in Christ. And man, before the foundation of the world, he's slain from the foundation of the world. He made up his mind before anything got messed up that he was going to redeem his creation. And then when, I mean, but we have to, and I truly believe when I heard the gospel, it jerked faith up and out of me. I like, how can I not believe? It almost was effortless belief. And then you start walking out in that belief and you start seeing the things that Jesus said you could see when you believe. And I, I mean, I'm too far gone now. I've seen two people raised from the dead. I've, I've had my own back. You know, doctors told me that I, I was going to be paralyzed from the, from the waist down and potentially lose my bowel function at one point when I ruptured two discs in my back when I was 19 years old. I've seen my dad who was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer completely healed. This was last year. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've seen multiple cancers healed. I've seen, I've seen uh, you know, all kinds of hurts and pains. I had appendicitis a couple of years ago after a family vacation and too many burgers that, that year, apparently. Um, we were coming back, and our $3,000 motorhome that I thought was a good idea broke down in big timber. <laughs> and that night, I mean, we are getting home. We were going to be ready for church the next morning, and I come down, and I had the most horrible stomach ache you could think of. I drank as much. Well, I'm a man of faith, so I don't go to Pepto-Bismol first. So I'm, always, I'm, I'm rebuking. I'm, I'm Rosebud, rebuke this thing out of me, whatever it is. And I'm, I, could, I was puking until I couldn't puke anymore. Anyway, I wrestled with this thing. I mean, finally, I'm like, all right, fine, give me that pink stuff, whatever, I'll try that. And anyway, it turns out, and I wrestled with this horrible stomachache for about 24 hours because um, I really do believe, man, I'm, I'm not going to back down. I'm here on the earth for a purpose, and, and, and the power of God is in me, so I'm going to lay my hands on the sick, even if I'm the sick one, and I'll be healed. So I believe that. But I felt like middle of the night, I need to go into the emergency room. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to go in the emergency room, so I did. Went in the emergency room. I called my, my uh, evangelist, uh, uh, apostolic evangelist, Nate Tanner in, in uh, Africa. He was in Africa at the time. I said, man, agree with me in prayer. This thing is coming against me, and I need to see this gone. And um, so he prayed with me over the phone, and instantly I was healed, and I could feel in my body that I was better. However, the do- and I told the doctors, I said, you know, I, I feel better, and all the pain was gone, everything like that. I said, well, you know, uh, it's probably going to flare up again. And, you know, if your appendix, appendix bursts, you know, you could die, you know, and you could go septic and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yep, I understand. Um, so in order to not be negligent and, and at least honor them, because I honor doctors to a point, um, <laughs> you know, just not above Jesus, <laughs> that's all. But um, I hung out for two days while they monitored me. And uh, I haven't had any issues since, and that was like four years ago. And I got to keep my appendix, and I want all my organs. I'm very happy with all. But here's what I'm saying. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because the power of God and what he's done in me, uh, like, this is real. This is not fake. This is not novel ideas like, oh, that would be nice if it happened. Man, how about what if you put into practice what you actually believed, you understood that the victory is already yours, and you got to appropriate it, and if you have it, then go see it and go work it out. Go see it. You know, he works in his salvation, but we are called to work it out. And, man, I do it with fear and trembling. And you know what I, you know what I, you know what I the way I translate that, man, when I see, when I see God moving on people's lives, I am in awe of it. Like I'm, I am overjoyed, trembling at it. I'm not scared in the sense of being scared at an austere man in a, in a cloud three miles south of Mars just waiting to bot me with his club or something like that. I'm not scared like that. I am in awe in the truest sense of the word, in awe of God and the fact that he would use me as a conduit to bring healing and wholeness to people. And when he touches my body, I think, man, I must have some value on this earth because he cares about me. He loves me. And I'll tell you this, it's not just me. It's you. Every single one of you he cares about. You could have died many, many times. 
I don't know about you, but I don't know about, I mean, we, you don't have to be here, but you are here. And you have a plan and a purpose, and it is powerful. And God wants you to believe. He wants you to know you weren't just, you could have been born 2,000 years ago in a cave in Afghanistan, but you weren't. You're born here. You're in 2020, where are we at, 2022? Somewhere in there. In America. Why did God put you here? I tell you, it's grand and glorious and awesome. And you have to believe that way if you're going to see this God work in and through your life. You've got to believe, man, I am here not just to take up space and suck air and eat food and die. You are here to reign in life. Those who would receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So, I want to just stir up your faith. I don't know, what's, how much time do I have till? I mean, what, what, what do you guys normally get done? Right now? Right now. I just want to read you a couple of scriptures. Can I just read you a couple of scriptures? I'll let you go. Is this okay? Are you getting something this morning? Check this out. Colossians 1.19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness, of, of God, the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind, do you see that? Where were you enemies and alienated? God, God wasn't an enemy of you. You were an enemy of God in your mind. You thought he was out to get you, but he was actually out to get you. <laughs> you know? It was God that said, Adam, where are you? In other words, God's coming after man. You know, God's not turning his back on sinners. He's coming after sinners. Which one of you fathers being evil... Remember Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven? Give the Holy Spirit to them who ask or give good gifts. That helps you understand what good gifts means to God. God God's good gifts definition is wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. So it says, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Now he has reconciled. When was Colossians written? 2,000 years ago, somewhere in there, you know. You were reconciled. The world has been reconciled. Let me, from, from God's standpoint, on his side, he has broken down every barrier that needs to be broken down. The only thing that we need to do is preach the gospel and have men and women believe. Belief is the only sin right now that God is actually, that actually hinders humanity from receiving the life of God. Unbelief. That's it. Jesus paid for all the abortions. Abortion's wrong. It's hard. I mean, I don't, even, I don't I only like bringing up that one because, man, it hurts a lot of women. It hurts a lot of men. It kills a lot. I mean, there's a whole, there, that's, but I'm just, I'll just let, sins that are just horrible out there. Adultery, fornication, you know, homosexuality, different things that are mi the, the misguided purpose of humanity. All these sins that you could think of, pornography, whatever it might be. Um, all these sins, Jesus paid the penalty of all of that. God does not look at the world and say, look at a bunch of sinners. He doesn't see the world that way. For God so loved the world. Amen? He didn't come to condemn but to save. And if, and, and if he didn't take every single sin of humanity on himself, then what did he do? Why did he, he took on every sin, past, present, and future, and nailed it to his cross, did away with it. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not just the church. So God's made it so easy for a world to believe. And if the world would believe, enter into a life with God, and his life would enter into that human being. And all of a sudden... <laughs> We would have the power, the life, the resources, the relationship, the fellowship. Man, heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not only on earth, but in earth too. 
Adam and Eve, what are they made out of? Dust of the ground. There he is. This is so good. I got to be done because I, here's what I want to do to you. I feel, like, I feel like I came also to bring healing and to bring, to bring power and to bring deliverance to you. You have it in this place already. But how many know God uses us to minister to each other in the body? You know, we, we edify each other. And if I could help you just get over that little bit of whatever is stopping the flow of God in your life, and I don't like to focus on that, let's just believe. Let's just believe. Let's just receive. Let's just do that. Um, let me just check one thing here. Man. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, I'll read this one time and then we're going to, I just want to pray for you. Now all things are of God. This is therefore if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now all things in your spirit are of God who has reconciled us, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the same ministry, the same word of reconciliation. Amen? He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We did everything wrong. He did everything right. We get what he gets, not because we worked and labored for it and tried really hard, but because we receive it. And if we would... You can't receive something you don't believe. You can't believe something you've never heard. And you can't hear something without someone preaching it to you. So here I am to bring the gospel of peace. My feet are beautiful because I'm giving you a, a, good, a good news from a far land. <laughs> and if you'd receive it, man, let's just see what God could do. Be, be, be encouraged here this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.